This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. You're listening to Radio is the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a programme called Candy View, hosted by the team from the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. And today, it's our pleasure to have in the studio Nick Stewart, who's one of the principals at the Stewart Group. How are you going, Nick? Very well, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. We were just saying about that before. What's the <laughs> etiquette, etiquette around it? When do you stop saying that? <laughs> and you hit it on the head. If you haven't seen someone, will you say Happy New Year to you? Anyway, just to remind our listeners before we get into today's topic, uh, what the Stewart Group is all about. Stewart Group's um, all about financial health and well-being for our clients. Mm-hmm. And we help people out with their insurance, their KiwiSaver, foreign pensions that we bring home for them and their wealth management and financial planning. Uh, we're a family-based business based in Hawke's Bay, and we have an office in Wellington. The Hastings office is at 204 Kadamu Road, Hastings. And in your 35th year, for Indeed. Yes, That's indeed. 35th year for the for the business. Amazing. That. That's uh, you're here for the long haul. Uh, yeah, very much so. It's good fun. And I think also people, uh, Nick, who hear the name financial institution, they think, oh, it's only for the rich people. It's not, is it? No, no, it's not. And look, um, you know, the uh, KiwiSaver uh, just keeps going um, leaps and bounds with um, members. And, you know, it's really bought financial, you know, financial services and investments uh, into everyone's home because, mm. you know, a lot of people have a very small amount of money in KiwiSaver uh, versus, say, wealth management portfolios. But, boy, it's exciting to see people interested and passionate about the long term. Indeed. And that leads us into our topic of for discussion today, coronavirus. What do we want to, well, why do we talk about that? Well, I just thought we should talk about it because, you know, we were just talking about KiwiSaver before, which for many people is, well, I look at my little, my little kids, that's going to be a... 60-year investment for them. So um, would they change their investment strategy and structure because of something that's happening happening in January, February 2020 when they won't be in drawdown phase for, I don't know, 57 through 59 years, depending on retirement age out then? And and the answer is they wouldn't make any changes because they're in for the long term. But what happens in uh, real terms, uh, people panic, don't they? Yeah, they do. And we've seen this historically with um, um, the bird flu virus. We saw saw that with the um, swine flu uh, that decimated all the, um, you know, that primary protein that the Japanese eat, which, of course, sorry, no, Chinese eat, which is um, pork and chicken. Mm. And, of course, you know, their um, swine herd was decimated last year, had had an effect there, but... I mean, the fact is that the markets adjust very, very quickly to these things. It's very, very hard to beat the herd. Mm. Excuse the pun on, yes. the, on the pigs there. <laughs> yes. uh, but um, in fact, what is the name for a, a group of pigs? It's not a herd, is it? It's a... Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to think. Well, you've got a piggery, but I'm just... Yeah. 
I think it's a herd of pigs. It is a herd of pigs. I'm sure Um, you're right. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) bit off topic there. But um, look, the market reacts, and it's very, very difficult for one individual to believe um, that consistently they can beat the market. So if we look at, say, I've just got a few metrics here. If we have a look at what's happened from peak to trough, and um, again, excuse the pun there with the trough, but. if we look at the fact that, you know, markets had a fantastic year last year, the calendar year, and some of the markets this year, despite this um, COVID-19, the markets have done well. So if we look at the NZX50, you know, year to date, it's done 3.31%. Well, you wouldn't even think anything's been going on. No, you wouldn't. And yet, within that period, from the peak of the market, 23rd of January, through to the trough, which was the 4th of February, there was a negative return in there of negative 2.76%. Mm. And yet if you just looked at the year to date, it's a non-event. Yeah. And then if we look at the oh, look at the US market, well, the year to date, it's done 5%. So it's actually done a lot better than um, New Zealand. Um, and then if we look at the Shanghai index, um, well, the Shanghai index year to date's done 43 a negative 4.36%. Now, that's the epicenter of this pandemic is has only done negative 3.6%. So, um, you know, it's hardly going to nobble you off your stool. No, that's right. And then if we have a look at the um, um, emerging markets is a similar similar theme to Shanghai. So, uh, so for many people, if you were just sitting there and you weren't watching the news and you weren't signing up for those blog sites that give you doom and gloom, the world's going to end and yeah. those sort of things. It's it's really been a non-event. So you just stick with your knitting, focus on what you can control and what you and not what you can't. Why do markets react so negatively? I mean, here you are sitting, you've been in the mm, industry mm, for 35 mm. years and you're going to write it out and you're going to say, well, you know, it's going to come right at the end of it. Why do markets react so negatively when what you're sure. saying is 100% on the button? Okay. So let's look at, I'm going to give a, a uh, glass half empty answer and then a glass half full. So the glass half empty answer is the fact that markets are looking at the forward projections. So they're saying, what is the risk? And human psychology, it's called behavioral finance, uh, is the study, the sector. Uh, human beings are more adverse to negative results than they are to mm-hmm. positive. So in other words... Um, they will remember being burned for longer yes. and it will have a much more emotional feel to the euphoric feeling of having a win. Mm. So the markets will react negatively with projected possibility of a negative outcome, e.g. a pandemic that may result around the world. We've seen that with SARS, Ebola, you name it. Yeah. The similar thing has occurred. If we look at the glass half full argument is let's look at a positive story such as in terms of a stock market returns. Let's look at Tesla. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, everyone's favorite. So if we look at Tesla and you say, okay, so you know, it's had a fun, it's been one of the best performing stocks in the S&P 500 in the US, uh, or one, one of the best performing US stocks over the last 12 months. And yet underlying earnings are, are okay. But a lot of it, it's it's always it's the projected growth in the future that may come, and the market looks at it and rolls up mm. all of that positive expectation in the future and says, 
we're going to put a stock price on this of $1,000, even though today it basically there is possibly negative cash flow or it's very, very bumpy. I mean, Tesla has a greater market capitalization than General Motors, mm. um, and yet it sells very few vehicles in a very narrow market compared to General Motors. Yeah. But And, and yet it's, it's the market rolling up all that forward positivity so the flip side, therefore, is that if these if if it goes from positive to negative, you get these massive swings. Yeah. But you've got that human element, and people do get fearful. So why have our export markets reacted so negatively? Like uh, you know, already they're talking about laying people off because of uh, oh, the, the yeah. log industry, the fruit industry, the yes. food industry. Well, why have they reacted in that way so quickly? Well, if we look at the if we look at the forward inputs into into China. You, if you are trying to get a shipping container in there today, it's actually very difficult because already on the wharf, there are tens of thousands mm. of reefer containers all plugged in for ref- refrigeration. There are no more slots for power. Mm-hmm. There's no more slots for space because there is no one there to process what has already been delivered. So in other words, you, you're unable to unload any more cargo, and that's if you can actually mm. get someone to unload it. Um, so therefore, if you're harvesting wood here, well, no, two weeks ago when yes. all this stuff happened, you would naturally know, Houston, we have yes, a problem. Indeed. Now, you're not refrigerating wood, of course, but it needs to be unloaded and processed. So if the manufacturing plants stop, they don't want any more wood delivered, and that's and you can't get the wood delivered at the wharf anyway because um, they're not deemed an essential worker. So you've got a bit of a, a backlog there. Again, a bit of a pun. Yes. <laughs> the backlog there with the wood means that we need to stop immediately processing at this end, and you know put people on um, the maintenance program or um, annual leave, etc. Or Unfortunately, after a period, a prolonged period of time, you roll through a redundancy program because you can't, you physically can't hold the people. I suppose also insurance companies uh, will be very worried about something like this virus, not only because um, people are getting sick and dying, they've got to pay out in that respect, um, but because of what you're saying that their exports might be insured. And yeah, yeah, correct, particularly when the goods are perishable. Um, for a number of exporters where they can divert supply to another market mm. which is open is is ideal but look new zealand you know we are wow i mean we're i wouldn't say we're entirely dependent on china but it takes a whopping amount of our trade it's certainly not as bad as when we were um little cousin to the brits back in the day mm. where the empire took everything um it's not that bad but it certainly does have an effect particularly if you're a you're importing or exporting from a single market, and if that market was China, that is problematic, and that's what we're starting to see. And in terms of just a couple of examples that I've looked at lately, and I've written about them in, the, in some of my recent articles, I used examples close to home of the Napier Port. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Napier Port um, at Christmas there. I remember over the break it was um, a water cooler barbecue type discussion because a lot of my nieces and nephews have a few shares uh, each in there, and you know, it was like four dollars. Was it three ninety six or four oh five? Well, today it's you know three dollars fifty three. I mean, that's an infrastructure blue chip asset, mm. solid cash flows. But it's been affected by the um, uh, COVID nineteen. And then another one I was looking at was a you know neat little company, 
uh, Tourism Holdings Limited, you know, the old Maui and Brits camper vans that you see all over the place at the moment. It's a bit of a bit of a bugger when you're travelling. <laughs> I've travelled to Pai here too yes. last week and you get stuck behind a number of those camper vans, but that's just yes, the time of the right. year. Well, you know, the stock price there has been materially impacted because the inbound tourists are not coming. They're therefore cancelling their rental car accommodation, uh, rental cars accommodation or um, camper vans. What does it do to the investment uh, market, say, short term? So we, we see share prices mm, mm. coming down, for instance. Yes. Um, does that make bricks and mortar a stronger investment, or will we see an impact on bricks and mortar as well? For the short term, you're not going to see much impact, I believe, in terms of bricks and mortar, certainly on, say, the wider market. But if mm. you look at, um, if you look at say, a, a synthetic instrument, that's got you know the rights to say um, real estate trusts, or or you're going in and buying uh, units in a number of commercial properties, such as a listed uh, property trust. They've pretty much matched the broader index. Uh, there hasn't been much change there. Mm-hmm. But if you were, let's look at say, I saw an article on this a couple of days ago. If you have a look at the bookings for accommodation in the South Island. Uh, and uh, and in Auckland as well, just in terms of from uh, hotels that aren't focused on domestic tourism, but are more focused on the um, you know inbound Asian tourism, uh, where you know you'll see the buses and the people unloading, etc. You know, big bookings that has tanked. Hmm. So yes, there would be if there there would be an impact if you were to put a hotel that solely focused on uh, that particular market and. More importantly, if this was to roll through for a longer period of time and you saw an actual medium to long run change in the inbound Asian tourists in in terms of where they're from, what mm. they're doing, and are they just actually staying at home? That would that would affect your bricks and mortar if you were exposed to that sector being hospitality. I suppose speaking to uh, someone listening to this program mm. now who might be thinking of uh, investing some funds uh, or a long-term investor, what would be the uh, advice that you might give them, uh, short-term, long-term advice? Sure. Well, the short-term advice is, I, I would say, you know, a little bit like the cat on the stove. The cat gets on a hot stove, it'll never get back on a cold one. And that is the fact that I say to people, look, gradually immerse yourself in the market if you've not been there before so that would be let's say you if you plan to have a balanced portfolio you might over a period uh, over a period of time over say six months you may look to commence the portfolio over a six month period Mm -hmm. and you'd bridge two tax periods on that as well and you would see through um you know this um market hiccup with um the covid virus covid19 um but it would also allow an individual to start increasing their knowledge and their understanding mm. um, rather than going um, all in on in one go and potentially um, feeling um, unnecessarily uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Now, and, not, not that you were around for them, but we had the Spanish flu in 1918. We had the Asian flu in 57, the yes. Hong Kong in, in 1968. On an average, would you know the statistics involved in the recovery time for the markets? Yes. Uh, the recovery time, if we look 12 months out after those particular events, other than one, other than the Spanish flu, um, the market, you could not tell what had happened during those events. The reason why, say, the uh, Spanish flu 
uh, is a little different. I mean, that's a very long time ago. That's just uh, as all of our servicemen were, were returning, mm. men and women were returning from overseas from World War One, and we can only get two data sets that are reliable for that time period, one being the FTSE, the the uh, UK stock market index, the other being the S&P 500. They are the mm. only two we can track. Information flow back then was slow versus today, and we understand a lot more about um, how things work and uh, our understandings our understandings of the market. So you really say it's not much to worry about. Correct, for the long term. Mm. But if you were, let's say you had your money in stocks and bonds and you know a diverse portfolio and you, you had gone unconditional on a house or commercial property purchase that was settling in 30 days, that's an entirely different story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's one where yeah. uh, you need an exit strategy. Um, and that's something that, you know, for us as financial advisors, the implementation and the deployment of capital, it's, it's, it's equally important on the divestment as well. Um, so we're very, very cautious. And just think about like landing a plane. Mm. You know, like, like when a plane takes off, I mean, you, you are paying the pilot of the aeroplane for two crucial periods. Otherwise, other than that, you could basically be a bus driver. Yes, that's I true. know that's very simple yeah. thinking, but you're paying them to um, get the plane airborne as safely as possible, with the least amount of turbulence, so maximum comfort level to you. And the second is to land the plane back on the <laughs> back on the planet, and uh, you know, in, in a safe and comfortable yes. fashion where everyone can disembark. In the interim, barring um, hiccups like turbulence, etc or man, um, uh, mechanical error, it is like driving a bus. Yeah. And it's a little bit like that with investment capital. If returns were linear and were absolutely flat line, like if I said to you, Ken, I can guarantee you that the long-run return on your KiwiSaver fund is 8.5% and it will not change and it will be that every single year, well, you wouldn't employ me. No. You, would, you wouldn't bother to get my help because it would be a set and forget. Yes, indeed. And, you know, there are periods of years where it is a little bit like that, and it's very, very flat and consistent. And some people get, you know, lulled into a false sense of security, and then you get a bit of turbulence. Yeah. A little bit like the market in uh, 2017. You know, equity market returns offshore were basically zero. Mm. And then the following year, boom. Through it came, massive returns, S&P 500, 24.5%, NZ market similar. And, you know, you sit there and you say from, you know, zero to hero. And that's why people engage help and that's why we have trained pilots to get the plane off the ground and land it back safely. Indeed. Do you think crises like this, is that a word, crises, or is it a crisis? No, it's just a crisis. Yeah. Yep. Do you think crises like this reinforce Mum and dad investors to think of bricks and mortar that, you know, they can go down to the street, they can look at that house that they bought as their investment. They know it's going to be there for another 50 or 100 years uh, because, you know, everyone always says we're putting too much emphasis on bricks and mortar and that we should be diversifying, which is what you guys mm, recommend. Mm. But it, do incidents like this reinforce bricks and mortar sales? I don't know. I don't think it does because the... This particular virus and um, pandemic hasn't affected New Zealand mm. yet, Touchwood, which is great. Uh, it hasn't affected any of the developed world, so I don't think people have really thought about it. But let's just say, 
let's okay let's run a hypothetical so ken you are now in wuhan and you're in lockdown do you want to own stocks and bonds or do you want to own bricks and mortar in that city <laughs> that's right. so, well yes that's right I put that, <laughs> yeah. put that when back. you put that perspective <laughs> on it <laughs> so uh a uh, the stocks and bonds have have liquidity, so you can sell and divest. Even if you had look, you know, even if you own Chinese Shanghai based stocks and bonds, I've just quoted you the figure. Hmm. You're going to crystallise a return of negative four point three six percent. That's actually that's not bad. That's hmm. good. That's yeah. really good. Now, what would happen in that lockdown city? You're wanting to sell your apartment right now. Yeah, try that one. That could be difficult. Yes. Um, that could be difficult. So, so, so it's very, it's different for us when we're sitting here on the other side of the world. We're our lovely right. little <laughs> island, and our, 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 I was going to say our beautiful green island, but it's very brown at the moment. Uh, but I was going to say it's very easy for us to to make our normal judgments from here when we're not there. But if you put yourselves in their shoes and then you think about what type of assets you'd like to own, it makes you think very differently. Yes, it does. We're just about out of time, Nick. You've been listening to Canny View on Radio Kidnappers. Uh, just to remind our listeners, Nick, if we want to come and see you for some sound financial advice, how do we do that? Uh, just pick up the phone. Um, we are available on 0800 878 961. And, or just come into 204 Academy Road, the black basalt stone building in the centre of town with the tartan logo. Uh, we make a good brew of coffee or a cup of tea, and we always welcome... Um, having a chat with new folk and um, yeah, helping them get their financial house in order and keeping it that way. Good on you, Nick. As always, a pleasure. Look after yourself. Talk to the same time, same place next time. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.